Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 o'clock. You're listening to Morning Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's municipal election results were certified and new assembly members were sworn in when the assembly met last night. But first, outgoing assembly member Crystal Duncan was recognized. After wrapping up her first full term on the assembly, Duncan did not seek re-election this year. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis thanked her for her service. We will definitely miss her up here. Uh, One of the things that I, I recognized recently for Crystal um, was her her steadfast approach to uh, the strategic plan and keeping the assembly on track on the strategic plan and, and linking every single item back to that. Um, Crystal also brought a voice um, of inclusion. Um, Crystal wanted to make sure everyone had uh, their voices heard and included at this table, and I think that's massively important. Duncan didn't comment on her departure, except to say, let's eat, before the assembly and audience took a brief interlude to share some cupcakes. When the group returned from their break, new assembly members Tim Pike, J.J. Carlson, and Scott Celine took their oaths of office. Pike and Carlson will serve each serve three-year terms, and Celine will serve a one-year term. We'll have more coverage of last night's assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. The board governing Alaska high school sports voted on Monday to ban trans girls from competing on high school sports teams that match their gender identity. The Alaska School Activities Association Board of Directors voted 5-3 to to limit participation in girls' sports to athletes who are assigned female at birth. Asa Executive Director Billy Strickland said that he only knows of one instance of a trans girl competing in Alaska State Championships against other girls. It hasn't been an issue in our state championships. Uh, from a safety standpoint, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, From a competitive standpoint, you could make the argument that, you know, the student displaced other kids off the podium. Asa's board originally considered the move in May, but waited until the Board of Education voted to ban trans girls from girls' sports in August. The one dissenting vote on the Board of Education was cast by student representative Felix Myers of Sitka. Myers told the Alaska Beacon, If someone is truly going to go out of their way to identify this way, that is a huge sacrifice, and they are the bravest students among us. Myers recommended that the Board of Education visit the issue of funding parity for travel and equipment if it wanted to support girls' sports. There are no student voting members of the ASA board. Director Strickland said that the bylaw change takes effect immediately. The reason that I strongly recommended to my board of directors to amend our bylaws is we feel like if we could not or did not do so, then public schools would not be able to join ASAA or any other association unless that association made the, you know, put into place what we just adopted. So we don't want to see sports come to a scratching halt uh, while this probably works its way through the court system. 
Currently, 19 states have active bans on trans girls from competing with other girls, and four other states have similar measures being challenged in court. The Matanuska Susitna Borough School District banned trans girls from competing in girls' sports in 2022 and had been the only district in Alaska that prohibited trans girls from competing on teams that match their gender identity until October 9th. The Presbyterian Church has committed to paying nearly $1 million in reparations to Juneau's Alaska Native community more than 60 years after the closure of Reverend Walter Soboloff's church. This weekend, they began to fulfill that commitment by donating $100,000 for language revitalization programs. KTOO's Katie Anastas has the story. Dozens of kids stream into Elizabeth Paradovich Hall singing in Slingit. Most of them wear red and black regalia dotted with mother-of-pearl buttons. One wears a chill-cat robe with yellow, black, and blue form-line designs. First Alaskans Institute president and CEO Lagunai Liz Medicine Crow says it's the start of a monumental day. While we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, we can also celebrate the magnitude of this moment. Monday concluded three days of events meant to acknowledge the 1962 closure of Memorial Presbyterian Church, which was once located where the Juneau Fire Hall now stands. For decades, the church served a primarily Alaska Native congregation. Reverend Walter Soboloff became the church's pastor in 1940, preaching in both Slingette and English. But in 1962, the Presbyterian Church closed Soboloff's church and loaned money to a non-Native congregation to build a new one. At the time, they cited a new policy to end segregated churches. But for Alaska Native people, Medicine Crow says, the closure meant the loss of a community hub. These are not um, theoretical harms. These are real harms. These are physical, spiritual, emotional financial harms that our community endured. On Sunday, church leaders delivered a long-awaited apology. Reverend Bronwyn Boswell leads the U.S. denomination of the Presbyterian Church. She spoke at Kunea Hidi Northern Light United Church, just a few blocks away from where Memorial Presbyterian Church once stood. The Presbyterian Church USA apologizes for the act of spiritual abuse committed by the Presbyterian Church's decision of closure. The apology comes after years of advocacy by a group of Alaska Native Church members. Two years ago, the church's Native Ministries Committee came up with a list of actions and monetary contributions that could make up an apology. Some have already happened. For example, Northern Light United Church added Kuneahidi to its name, which means People's House of Healing in Slingit. They've also committed to funding scholarship programs, incorporating Tlingit language into church services, and adding Alaska Native art and architecture to the building. Frida Westman is a member of the Native Ministries Committee. What I'm excited about is bringing in younger people and children with the language, with the um, cultural practices, and um, seeing how those can be um, woven together in order to um, celebrate within the church setting our culture. 
At Monday's event, national church leaders gave $100,000 to Sea Alaska Heritage Institute to support language revitalization efforts. The local church gave Clinkett and Haida more than $4,000 for the tribe's cultural programs. Future payments will support other educational opportunities and tribal programs. Clinkett and Haida President Chahya Ish Richard Peterson says it's important to acknowledge the role churches have played in colonization and language loss throughout Alaska. I hope that the churches really do step up and, and take their role in the healing as they took the role in the damage. There's also a new sign outside the Juno Fire Hall. It describes the closure of Sobolov's church and the Presbyterian Church's commitment to reparations. In Juno, I'm Katie Anastas. A humpback whale calf known as Tango that washed up dead near Ock Bay earlier this summer was killed by a large boat. A post-mortem exam revealed fatal injuries included deep lacerations on the calf's body and pectoral fin, likely caused by a propeller. And according to NOAA marine mammal specialist Susie Turling, Turling, Tango also had scarring from past injuries. And she says that's not unusual for whales in the area. This calf had interactions with several vessels during the course of its short life, and we see these sublethal interactions, um, unfortunately, pretty frequently. Tango was born this year to Sasha, a well-known whale that returns to the Juneau area annually. Sasha herself is easily recognizable because she has a distinct scar from entanglement in fishing gear. And that's, um, I think a testament that they they can um, survive lots of these human interactions, but there's a lot of risks out there. NOAA does not keep a formal record of vessel strikes or entanglements in the region, but Tierlink said the area where Sasha and her calves tend to feed has high boat traffic. She added that both the whale population and the number of boats in the Juneau area have been increasing in recent years, which could cause more injuries. There sometimes can be a misconception that whales know where boats are at all times, and they do pay attention to their surroundings, um, but they get distracted, they get really focused on feeding, they get you know in a situation where they're choosing which way to go and there's several boats to negotiate. Tierling said the best way to keep whales safe is to reduce speeds. That gives whales more time to adjust and gives mariners more time to take a look around the area. NOAA guidelines also call for vessels to stay at least 100 yards away from whales. This is Morning Edition on Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. The time is just about one minute after one, one minute after 7 a.m. We'll be heading into NPR and statewide news next.